Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about quilting, crafting, creativity, and life in a northern town. You'll find show notes at mycreativecorner3.wordpress.com. You can leave a comment. You can sign up for my patron site. You can purchase a virtual cup of coffee or even sign up for the newsletter. Come back weekly and we'll chat. My name is Vicki and welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Yep, it's the morning of June 15th and it's in the 50s, which is great because it's going to warm up to be in the 70s and not in the 90s. Cooled off a little bit more over the last couple nights and I am a much happier camper. Oh my, yes. Um, He and I don't always get along. So what have I been up to? The garden is just going absolutely crazy. It's got iris, just about finished. We've got daylilies blooming, poppies that are just about ready to go to seed heads. We've got the peonies are just the huge double peonies, fuchsia and white. What else is back there? Oh, a perennial geranium is blooming and we planted finally this last weekend. We had good weather and time to plant wildflower seeds in the back half of the garden that faces the adjoining property, which is a parking lot, but it's also needed to hold the soil in. And some um, ground cover is also planted back there, but it's gonna take a few years for the vinca to cover the ground. And I'm hoping that between the extra flowers and the watering, as I'm paying to water that garden this year because we planted the seeds. And some of the cedars that we planted, the Arbor Vitae, we planted four along the property line. One looks fabulous. Three look like they're struggling for um, winter kill and signs of life is there. We lost our receipt so we can't get them replaced because they agreed that it looked like winter kill. But I'm just going to baby them along. I'm not going to uh, throw in the towel too soon. I tend to do that. They are not the most beautiful looking thing. But the beauty of having perennials in front of them is you only see the very tops of them right now. And yep, I'm thinking that if we really keep watering and let them grow, I think they'll be okay. I think I want to get some seaweed extract. Um to mix as a food for later this summer. But while the plants are blooming and everything seems happy, I'm going to um, probably do that um, a little bit later. I have weeded 15 minutes a day, a time or two a week, and that has seemed to help. I did add a little preen to the garden um, and it is, is really helping keep the extra volunteer plants. I don't like to call them weeds. It's because some weeds are beautiful. Um, every once in a while, I'll if I let one grow, I'm so tempted to leave it there because they have pretty flower heads. But I know if I let them go, their roots will establish and then I'll have trouble containing them. So I went through after it finally rained the other day. And I was able to go through and weed the garden beds out and pull. And when I pulled the, um, I think it's a, we always called it a cat mint. There's some, there's another name for it. Anyway, when I pulled it, it gets to be a tall plant. And if I let it get to be a little bit taller, the roots will come out with the plant and hopefully it will keep them from coming back. I was pretty impressed with myself that I must be getting stronger because when I pulled the big plant, it all the roots came out with it. It's just so satisfying, isn't it? So the garden has been doing well. I must admit they like the extra sunlight. Um, I still um, 
have a scar from when the neighbors cut down all the trees instead of selectively cutting them like we had agreed to. But, you know, I have to keep trying to look positive because that scar is also um, an emotional scar that carries with the pandemic and lockdown and all of the things that I'm conflicted about. It's so funny because I've been back to work about a month and it's funny how in four short weeks, it feels like working from home for the last 15 months is almost like a dream, like it never happened. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. I do miss working from home a lot. I'm still doing a lot of functions like I'm working from home, but this week we're you know adding a few more face-to-face people to come in the office and it's feeling a little bit more and more like it was not a hundred percent just like everything else nothing is feeling a hundred percent like it was pre-pandemic but it's coming along so as I was pondering the garden I was sitting out there and thinking about the tree removal finally happened on the side of the house and you know while I was watching the tree service, now this is the same tree service that butchered the back, um, but they were operating under the neighbor's rule. So I want you to understand they do a wonderful job. They did a fantastic job. They did it for a great price. They cleaned up. They even hauled off a couple of other stumps that we had from other trees that had died And they're pros. They were just operating under the rule of the neighbor. And I was watching him go through because my husband had him selectively prune some limbs that were growing into wires and they were hanging over the house. And then he went through and selectively cut the dangerous trees. These are trees that had life in them, but they were leaning on our house the branches were constantly beating the roof and we just had the roof replaced. You know, no matter how often we tried to limit in limb it, meaning taking the chainsaw or a pull a chainsaw on a stick that didn't eliminate the fact that these branches would continue to grow and beat on the house. Some were leaning and these are live trees. So those were removed The other trees that were removed were completely dead. These were cedars, swamp cedars, that were planted on the perimeter of the property. And they have all died except for a handful of them on the adjoining property lines. Just a handful. There's a couple left where he he took the dead ones down. And on the opposite side, there's only a couple of them left there. Um, What happened is, according to Michigan State, these trees have a lifespan. I mean, most trees have a lifespan. And because these were planted when this property was not city property, it was actually a small farm. And then where the barn and the cows were, were donated to the St. Mary's Church for the parochial school and the parking lot was part of an orchard that um, butted up to my property. Several families owned these lots around and they used them. Well, since the parking lot was added and this has become a full-blown city, there's not enough water for these trees and they eventually died and they were hideously ugly They were dry as a bone. They were not supporting any life. And every time the wind blew, I was afraid that they were going to get blown over on the house or on my neighbor's cars because we've had that happen with smaller trees that died both in the rear property line and the opposite property line. And they were, those trees were small enough that we were able to remove them ourselves But these were not. These were tight in between two houses and it needed a professional job. Yes, yes it did. So that got me to thinking about the difference between dead wood and pruning. 
at how we can apply this to our lives. And it watching that make, brought back a memory, actually, of Deadwood. And this memory was back in the 90s when um, taking a business, no, I was taking a required class for one of the businesses that I worked for. And I always thought it was a pretty harsh um example but this is what they used that Deadwood were the employees who showed up every day but didn't really produce any growth or any fruit and that during that time period the company was going through to eliminate positions that didn't serve the company anymore with employees who were basically just showing up for work and collecting a paycheck and that guy like, has stuck with me for all these years, it's at least 25 years since I heard that. And then they went on to talk about time management and how to be more productive and how to focus on your job. Now, this is a hospital setting. So I'm thinking, isn't that like so harsh? I was so, I was pretty young also at the time. And I thought, man, that's brutal. But I applied this dead wood versus pruning thoughts to my head as the tree man was here because he was cutting down nine of the trees he cut were completely dead so what is dead wood well dead wood actually is branches or trees and this is I'm applying these thoughts to my life and things that I do and all of the things activities maybe time wasters. Deadwood can be branches on the tree, but it can be the whole tree itself. And you know, that deadwood really doesn't serve any purpose to the tree. It's just there taking up space or the dead tree in the row. It's just taking up space and they really don't support a lot of the animals or things that I enjoy seeing. If it's something completely dead, it usually attracts you know, other insects and bugs that could possibly be terrible for a house, you know, like termites and woodpeckers. I love the woodpeckers, but I don't want them on my house. So the more dead wood you have hanging around, the more chance that there may be problems, you know, infections or animals or insects that are not healthy for your property. Now I'm taking this as an example because I know that decayers are good for everything in the woods and in nature, but on your property line or in your life, these pieces of dead wood, you may not want all that hanging around. Um, you know, the dead wood of a tree doesn't give any life supporting functions, right? You can't grow leaves, which encourage, you know, the leaves to produce energy from the tree, which takes the sap up and down and gives the tree life. I mean, there's no function. It just kind of actually takes up space and hangs there you know eventually a big dead old branch on a tree this dead wood could be dangerous if it fell it could hurt something around the tree and it could actually damage very life-giving branches on the tree you know storms usually come through and get rid of the dead wood off a tree but there's always the risk that when that dead wood falls, depends on how big it is, it could damage that tree itself. Um, so, you know, you're looking at that piece of dead wood, the longer that you ignore it in the tree, the more of a problem that it could have. And the tree man really had to go through and cut out some pretty nasty deadwood branches on some of the trees that were left from the selective cutting. Now this deadwood is different than pruning. We also had him prune some of the trees and pruning has a different purpose. Pruning is that you're cutting part of a live tree to better serve the whole tree. You know, like maybe this branch is growing into the wires or hitting the roof of the house. Um, it doesn't serve the whole tree well because it's damaging other 
properties or the wires, you know, that could cause the whole tree to have to be cut down if you don't keep the limbs out of the tree, out of the wires. You know, you generally prune trees and shrubs and flowers to let more light in, to actually encourage more of the life-giving properties for the tree to have good food and resources to promote growth. Pruning promotes growth. You also prune to make the tree more lovely because maybe you have some big old ugly limbs that are sticking out in a weird way or um, they're just not the right shape. We do this especially in shrubs, right? If a woody shrub needs to be pruned, there's usually like one branch that's growing in a way in a, that makes it ugly or it's like crossing a property line or it's not really the shape that you want. So you prune it. You may trim it down or follow the branch all the way to the base of the shrub or the tree trunk and you cut it off. Because overall, you want to make the tree more lovely. And overall, when you prune a tree and you cut out all of the live branches that don't serve it and you get rid of the dead wood around the tree or in the tree itself, it promotes growth for the healthy trees that are left behind as they have more room to grow and they have more light and more air and more space for the roots to take up water because all of the dead trees, they are not there taking up the space. Okay, now I got thinking about this and I thought, aren't these really beautiful little life lessons that I can learn from nature? And I think I got a lot of this from doing my journal this month, which it is a silk and sounder journal. And the theme is play and observe nature. And what kinds of things can you do to encourage more play or playfulness in your life? You know, play meaning approaching things with the openness of a child who has never experienced it or the enthusiasm of children, right? So I was like, how can I apply these thoughts to my life and not the hospitals um, thing of dead wood leads to no productivity and we're getting rid of dead wood employees, right? No, their initial premise I thought was good because dead wood doesn't serve the whole and dead wood needs to be um, removed so that the whole plant could be growth and have more purpose and and really be strong but this is how I took it deadwood are things that are not serving you anymore there is no purpose in it it's dead things these are like things that you've always done because well maybe it's a bad habit and it's just part of what you do every day or it's become a habit that's totally not serving you I and I had to think about that so what is a bad habit that could not be serving you? And it's really dead wood. Uh, doom scrolling on social media, on your phone. You know, it gets kind of dead wood to me. I spend way too much time doing it. And when I get anxious or when I'm bored or when I'm stressed out, I usually doom scroll on my phone. Just flip, flip, flip. Go on many platforms and just repeatedly flip, flip, flip through to see what's going on. Dead wood. How about other things that are bad habits that, you know, there's a reason why people do it, but it's really not healthy for you. I can think of a few things, um, overdoing it on maybe substances, smoking would be terribly dead wood for me. I'm allergic to it. It's not healthy overall in the grand scheme of things for most people. Dead wood. So the other thing is I'm like things that you always used to do, say when your kids were home, but you don't need to do it anymore. Like, um, I don't know, things like not having your morning organized because you're too busy um, when the kids were home, getting them ready for school. I, I had to go through a time period of like this, of adjusting my morning schedule, but I was just constantly doing 
random things because I was used to getting other people ready and doing big breakfasts and trying to make sure everybody's um, backpacks were done. Well, now I only have to worry about myself and I had more time to do other things, which leads us to pruning, right? Um, but deadwood are those things that you just do and you just, they have no purpose. And we all have those things in life. Um, I just do a lot of things that they're just, the time period is over for it or it's just this function that's dead why do I keep doing it you know kind of thing so those are that's how I would qualify deadwood but pruning is different you know pruning means that you are have maybe this is live viable thing but you just don't have time for it anymore or Maybe it's like pruning. I think of decluttering in my house. I've got way too much stuff and you hear me talk about it. There are things that I could find new homes for, you know, where um, Deadwood is take out the trash because this stuff is trash and it needs to go where I think pruning is more. Maybe there are things here that other people would enjoy more than me and I should donate it or find a new home for it like maybe an abandoned quilt project that just you just find no purpose in it anymore but maybe you know somebody else would you're pruning it out of your life and you're giving it to someone else to enjoy the other part of pruning is activities now these are activities that still need someone to do them but maybe just not you I remember uh, we went through a time where um, my husband had to prune a lot of things out of his life. I had gone through the pruning all these other functions early. Like maybe you're serving on something that um, you did when your kids were at home. Like maybe youth group or the PTO or teaching Sunday school. But you don't have kids in that demographic anymore but they still need volunteers maybe it's time to pass the torch you prune that out of your life and you find someone else to do it who really it would be better served because they would be more into it they wouldn't find it a chore maybe you've developed some harboring harboring there we go harboring feelings like man I got to give this up and you're only putting a minimal amount of effort so it doesn't serve anybody right because you're not like into it anymore I had to give up orchestra um, a while ago number one because my hands started getting arthritis number two it didn't fit in my life the way they were conducting um, practices was hours and hours of practice like four hours right before a concert and then four hours the day before and then you'd have two hour practices in about a month leading up to it I didn't have eight hours on a Saturday to devote to orchestra literally four hours before a couple hours break and then the concert that was a whole day my uh, eight hours like a whole work day my time was precious I still had children at home. My body couldn't take it anymore. And I had to prune this out of my life. Do I miss it? Sometimes I really do. And sometimes now that my kids are adults, I think about, oh, I could go back to playing, but I'm way out of practice. And do I really want to devote that much time? Because they still structure their practices the same way because they have to hire college students to fill in our small community orchestra in the instruments that we don't have. So that's where I'm kind of like, I miss it, but I pruned it out of my life for a reason. Um, so those are like things that we do that it's time to let it go because, you know, we just don't have time. Or what about the things that we are not good at and they're chores? Like, um, I'm not good at detailing my car and I'm looking at, Instead of cleaning the inside myself because I've neglected it over the last couple of years for, it looks like the going rate for just detailing the inside of my car is about $100. That would be $100 well spent to pay somebody to clean. Maybe I paid the tree guy. Um, I call him the tree guy because I can't remember his name. Austin. He, he has a name. His name is Austin. We asked Austin, how much money would it take while your trailer is here to pick up that big 
brush pile left over from the storm a few years ago of large branches that we cannot manage ourselves. We got them out of the street, but we can't get them to the city's brush pile. And it had a couple big stumps that were super heavy. My husband drugged them there with his little tractor. And they're too big to cut up anymore with the chainsaw. So sure, $100, he said. And he threw them all in the back of his trailer. It was already partially full of brush and he dumped it. It was the best $100 we ever spent. It took the tree, Austin, what, 15 minutes with his crew. They were on their way to the dump pile of the branches anyway, and it saved my husband and I the whole rest of the summer of every weekend dealing with it because it had dried out just enough where we were like, okay, we got to do something with this. And it's gone. And it's not weighing on our mind anymore. And it's not that dirty secret that it's the dark side of the garage that maybe no one can see except the neighbor whose property butts right up there and it's hideous. Yeah, it's gone. So now we just have a leaf pile that we're going to um, clean up and hopefully get that all, all ready to go. It's flat. It is very dark there because of the beautiful trees surrounding it, but we need another access with our lawn mowing deck on the tractor to get to the backyard. So that is the dark side of the garage that got cleaned up. And with all the pruning and the removing of the dead wood on the other side of the house that was always very dark and nothing grew, now the light is coming in. And I see the plants are growing that I have planted along there that have always struggled because of the lack of daylight. And the other trees that are left have been properly groomed. They have way more light. They will get more water and they're already growing. I'm very excited to watch the growth that can happen because of the removal of the dead wood and the pruned limbs. So that's really how I'm looking at applying it. I mean, so the things that you need to just get rid of because it's dead in your life and it serves you no purpose. And then the things you need to thin down and cut out and prune so that you can allow yourself more air, more light, more space, more water and growth. And then I got really excited about that. Maybe it's super corny to you to think about these kind of analogies, but they help me to remind me why I need to manage my time, why I need to not just fill it with useless activities that um, I'm like screen time that I used to regulate for the kids, but I don't <laughs> regulate as much for me now that I'm adult. You know, you can eat cake for breakfast or doom scroll every time you turn around. You know, the other deadwood habit I have is instead of doom scrolling, I'll run to the kitchen and grab something to eat. And no, I'm trying to lose weight. That is the terrible thing to do, right? When you're trying to lose weight. So those were some insights that I got from life lessons from the tree removal. It wasn't painful this year. It was exciting. And now I can see the growth on the beautiful trees that are left and the hideously ugly deadwood is gone. The other exciting thing that I've been watching this week is the view from my porch. Now I do a hashtag view from my porch on Instagram and my Facebook page. And a lot of times you will see this 100 year old um, Mount Carmel Center, which used to be St. Mary's Cathedral before St. Mary's built the new cathedral in 1970. Um, it was used a couple times a year for holiday mass, and I played in there in orchestra once. So I got to see the inside. But other than that, it's been locked up. Eventually was bought by private um, people, and now it's been made into like a historic landmark, and they're restoring it. So they put a new roof on it. And what's happened this week is a massively huge crane came. I mean, one that's like skyscraper and that's huge for this small town. And they made a I-beam platform around the steeple. And they went through and they were fixing the steeple to make it structurally sound and to 
investigate how much weight it can hold and they were doing different things on the there's arches that have access to the bell I heard him ringing the bell and I see that they've declared the steeple strong enough to have real slate put on the very top so they're going to put slate up there and the bell was being wrong so they've had someone come and look at the bell and they're going to make sure that's restored properly and then the thing that I'm excited about the most is I read on their Facebook page which is on Mount Carmel um I can't remember now Mount Carmel something in Gaylord Michigan I'll look it up here Mount Carmel because right next to it is um the old rectory now that's been privately bought and is a lawyer's office and they've kept it the is as original inside as possible and so anyway mount carmel center slash gaylord michigan and you can watch if you want to watch the progress of the restoration of this building and their facebook um banner what is that called anyways the pay you know picture at the top of your page shows these huge cranes and it's a great view of the entire building and you can see there even the rectory behind it that's the lawyer's office so all of that to say the part of what's going on now is there is a clock up there that's been severely damaged over time it even has a hole in one of the clock faces and it hasn't ran in a long time probably 20 years but it used to I remember when the clock actually worked remember hearing the bell ring for vespers at 6 a.m and 6 p.m um so they're restoring the clock they've got people from all over Michigan and from Henry Ford Museum and other restoration people and there's been a lot of excitement generated over this I'm excited because I love seeing this work of art and this special place because it's just so beautiful being open and ready for use for people they're going to hire it out for different venues okay so the our creative soul segment is the things that my sister and I are doing and gardening is still her number one thing she got her pool in which we talked about she finds that great for her rheumatoid arthritis she can walk in this you know it's like a five foot pool um, and it just is very very helpful and therapeutic she's been putting in bird baths and her um, spring planting is is done and she's been growing vegetables it's just been a pretty time-consuming thing if you're a gardener I even had my um, uh, aunt and uncle over because they wanted to see what happened with the trees and they retired and, and live up here full time and they had no idea because our backyard has always been kind of blocked and they normally stop at the house in the fall or winter. Um, they had no idea that we had a garden back there. So super pretty. The fairy garden is coming in phenomenally. But I have done some um, a, unusual experiment this week in making cyanotypes. Yes, you can buy the paper and have it pre-soaked with all of the chemicals that you need for this process. Now, when we were kids, we did a very cheap version of this where you lay something on a piece of paper and you put it in the sun and then the sun bleaches the background and then you have solar paper with this work of art. Well, cyanotype is that stepped up a little bit. The paper I bought is already done on Amazon and I can't find the link. But if you look for cyanotype paper and then try to find one that's a heavy or weight paper, because you have to rinse this after exposure to the sun. So I watched a couple videos and I did a couple of experiments and found that if you pick flatter objects like a leaf or um, things that are glass that are dimensional, you need to leave them on a little bit longer. But you have to put an acrylic 
square or I've had glass in an old picture frame that I took out. So you place the object, arrange it on after you take it out of this black bag. So you don't take the paper out. You don't want to expose it to sunlight until it is time to do your job of arranging it. And then you leave it outside until it's bleached out. You know, it's not going to look white because the paper I have is colored, but some papers will actually turn white. I found that it says five to 15 minutes. Well, five isn't enough. The one that I left out only five or 10 minutes really wasn't enough sun. And <clears throat> I would leave it out there way longer. And the other thing I found is that it says rinse until clear. I think you need to rinse it a lot longer and you must be very careful when you're rinsing the paper that you don't tear it because I did um, a little tear on my best cyanotype, of course, right in the middle. But that doesn't mean I can't cut this paper in half and frame it in a different light. The other one is blue and I put my depression glass on it and it didn't make a very bright cyanotype. And I'm going to cut that up and use it for journals or um, Zentangles. There's always a purpose. And then you let it sit and then you rinse it. And I also found if you want to see your image bright right away, because sometimes when I rinsed it, it didn't look like there was anything developed on the paper and it really takes time. So if you put a little hydrogen peroxide in the water, that makes it brighter, makes your area where you laid your objects, your imprint lighter. So with all of that being said, it worked and it's super fun. And this is like the early process of this was done a hundred years ago. And this is like where blueprints come from, where the background gets bleached out a lighter color and what you left on will leave a darker imprint on the page. It's like an early form of developing images and it's super easy. It wasn't super expensive. I think I paid 20 bucks for this pack of 24 paper, I think eight, eight and a half by 11 sheets and you can frame them. It gives a real modern art type of feel yet oldie worldy type of things to help depending on your arrangement. It works really well with plants. I think you need to press them first and dry them or use silk plants because if you, I think the one reason my, my plant one also, I was rough with it and it ripped, but I think the um, sap from the plant may have dripped on the paper and that may have caused some of the surface to lift up when I rinsed it. So cyanotypes, a fun project that kids can do, but it's also a very interesting creative outlet and a jumpstart to creativity for adults. Okay, let's go to the quilting segment of our <clears throat> of the podcast. And I loaded a quilt on the frame and I'm working on my mom's red, white, and blue quilt. It's almost done this week. And I have a couple of other quilts to load for my mom. And I'm ready for clapping loudly, cheering. I wish I had a button with sound effects that went, yay! I finished piecing the t-shirt quilt for my friend for her concert collection. It's pieced, so it's going to go on the frame next. Yay! Okay, see crowd noise. <sighs> That's what we used to do as kids. Now, the other thing that I have finished piecing is my bee hexagon flower quilt. And all the yellow flowers were appliqued by machine once I hand stitched the hexes with an English paper piecing process. I found that navy blue and Swiss dot. Well, when I took a picture of it, something was totally wrong with it and I couldn't figure it out. But Jess, who's part of my Facebook group, she noticed with her eagle eye that there is a directional print in that navy blue. And by happen chance or serendipity, half of the blocks I did vertically, applique the flower on vertically, and half of the blocks I applique 
the flower on horizontally to that background. So it worked out great where you go horizontal, vertical, horizontal, vertical. I messed around for several days trying to get the color distribution the best I could. And I ran out of fabric when I put the border on. I was like two inches short on the top and the bottom. So I found another B fabric, but it's not a bright um, golden color like the honeycomb fabric, but that's okay. It gives like this toggling look. And I got looking at it and I still wasn't happy with the one border and it needed to end on a dark blue, I thought. And other people agreed with me as I put it up on my Creative Quarter 3 Facebook group. So I found the a fabric that I was using in the Irish chain that would be perfect. And it's a large piece of fabric and it will make a border. And then I'm going to end it in, an, in a blue border. I didn't have enough of the directional dot fabric for the outer border, but I found a dark blue that complements it. So I'm going to put three borders on this quilt and maybe applicate a couple of hexagons in the toggle of the first honeycomb border where I ran out. Make that a feature, right? It's got some pretty fabric in it. Maybe I'll applique a couple of hexagons in those spots just to make it a feature. Well, anyway, all that to be said, I don't plan many of my quilts. I just start making them and then the idea percolates in my brain as we go. And once in a while, things work out in a very <laughs> organic way like this one with the background fabric and other times you know it doesn't always work out this perfectly but all's not lost you just have to keep working the puzzle because it is a puzzle and uh, that's why I like making quilts and I don't always like following patterns because um, maybe it's because I don't like following rules but I like to organically let things just kind of happen and think about it as I go. Should I border this? Should I not? I don't normally border it. This one looks great. Should I sash it? Should I not? I like it unsashed. So that leads me to my next English paper piecing. As I did the 100 hexes, 100 days, I'm on a roll. So instead of doing the jewel hexes, I need to cut out more papers. I let that wait. I'm going to start just sewing all of my hexagons together for that 100 hexes 100 day project and make the flowers then I'm going to decide do I want to applique them on a background like I did this quilt which would make a totally different looking quilt or do I want to make more of a grandmother's flower garden I think I'm going to applique because the more I thought about the grandmother's flower garden the more I'm like then you got to deal with spacers and trying to join all of those hand sewing all those long rows together and to be honest that really was hard on my fingers when I did it in a small version of my temperature quilt so thinking about it as I go and then I have that jewel shaped um, EPP which they make hearts and they're super cute so I have a uh, I found a UFO of a few appliqued hearts that were die cut that I was machine appliqueing. I didn't like how it was looking. Now that I have more experience with applique and machine applique, I think I'm going to combine those two in a mashup of English paper piecing and traditional applique. So those are the two quilting things that I've been working on. I continue to doodle and do Zentangle in my art journal. And another serendipitous thing that happened is while I was sitting out looking at my garden, a bunch of planes started flying over my head. And I realized we have a lake nearby and they have what's called the fly-in. All the amphibious planes circled over the town and then flew to the lake and they splash in when they land. And it's a tradition for many, many years, my whole life. But it was fun as I was already outside and I was sitting there with my cell phone and they flew overhead and I snapped a bunch of pictures. Um, we spent this last weekend 
Saturday doing a long nature drive because it was a beautiful day with no wind and my husband did some really nice drone video. He's practicing. He just got this drone. He's just learning how to fly it. So he's practicing flying and I got some real pretty nature pictures of some of the little lakes that are remote. <clears throat> One lake is so clear that when he flew the drone over, you can see all the way to the bottom. Now that stinker put it on Facebook and I can't share it. So I may have to try to figure out how, excuse me, <clears throat> how to download that video from him and put it in my Facebook group or maybe uh, YouTube or something. I don't know. But anyway, that's what I did this weekend. And I'm planning on continuing to journal and work on everything in my 15 minutes a day because that's how I got everything done this week. 15 minute blocks. And I have to say, I even dropped my exercise to 10 minutes. I will do 10 minutes and a lot of times I'll get going on 10 minutes and I make it 15 anyway. But that has been how, how I've been able to consistently do things in small little pieces. And I got the hexagon quilt done, which I never thought I would be able to do the B hexagon. I got the um, quilt loaded on the frame. Uh, I'm doing one row at a time, which on this quilt is right around 15 minutes. I just am really proud of myself. Why? Because I actually pruned a few things and cut some dead wood out. It really struck home with me. Just trying to limit the screen time and actually do things that I enjoy. And once in a while, scrolling social is fine, but not as much as I was. And it's starting to motivate me to think about doing maybe some decluttering, maybe going through some boxes and just trying to get through the deadwood things in my house that need to go to the garbage and the pruning of things that need to find some new homes. Those are very long-term projects at 15 minutes at a time. The other thing is I want to end with, uh, I'm kind of exploring doing some new Our Creative Souls things with jump starts. So I got the book, I purchased it, Dare to Create by Marie Boudin that Kristen suggested on her podcast, Simple Handmade Every Day. It gives you lots of exercises to do. She talks about watercolors. I have watercolors and I want to learn how to do some more things with them. But I think it's also going to be a great jump start, just a spark to creativity. And I went online and I wanted to buy the book, The Artist's Way. It was something that was reminded, uh, it reminded me, I was reminded of it. There we go. I was reminded of it through the Silk and Sonder um, in some of their journaling things. So I googled used book and I found The Artist's Way is a book by Julia Cameron, Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N, Cameron. And it was the 25th anniversary. And this book is always checked out of the library. And so I got a paperback version of this book coming. It shipped already. Thriftbooks.com seemed pretty legitimate. So I spent the $4 on the book. $4. Can you believe it? It was a great buy. Um, so that was uh, so far the book's not here yet, but I think that it is a good website and a good experience and a good price. Now the dangerous thing is I don't want to buy a whole bunch of used books that I'm just going to have to sell or trash because they get spoiled being moldy or dusty in some of my storage situations. So but these were two books that the um, Dare to Create is a digital book which I thought was fine. I like digital books because they take up less space in my house. Same with digital music. But sometimes you got to have a hardcover book or a p real live book. And I think The Artist's Way will be a good one for me to just have on hand. Because I've always get through the book and then I start doing the morning pages, which is about writing. Um, and then I have to take the book back to the library. So I want to systematically work through both of these books this year to help... Um, keep my creative juices flowing, so to speak. Well, it's been a great morning. The sun is 
really come up and is streaming through the windows. I looked at the clock and I'm like, I really need to go take a shower and get ready for my day job. And I'll have to say that I'm going to continue my 15 minute a day quest on getting everything done. And it's worked for me so well. This past week, especially, I noticed all of the things I got done when I pruned out those things that weren't serving me anymore. So do you have any experience with um, pruning things out and having it grow both maybe plants or in your life? I would love to hear about it. Please leave me a comment in my show notes are at mycreativecorner3.com. And you can support the podcast if you'd like to become a patron. You'll find information on the website or you can go to Kofi and that's ko slash fi dot com Kofi. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee and believe me, I love my coffee. And thanks to everyone who has supported me through comments, through kind words, through messages, emails and purchasing the virtual cup of coffee, and especially to my patrons. I want to wish you all a most wonderful week. I hope that you have moments where you see with the things that you can change to promote growth. And growth brings creativity, not necessarily productivity. It's not about productivity like work wanted me to believe. You have a great week and all I can say is be creative and Quilt on, everyone.